Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Welcome to Smart Enough to Know Better, a podcast of science, comedy, and ignorance. I Episode number 52. I am Greg Wah. And I'm Dan Beeston. And today in science, well, not science. Today in science. Today in science. Chad still burns. Chad still burns. In our hearts and in our sky. It doesn't burn. Chad does not burn. Oh. oh, man, it's the murderers. It's the murderers. Oh, sorry. Get out of the way. Get out of the way, murderers. What do we get? Hello, package. Oh, man, he's taking it away. Hello. <laughs> the postman only knocks once and interrupts your podcast. No, he did like four times. He did. Oh, man, that old movie's oh, a crap. I'm so disappointed. A postman came to the door with a big box marked science across the side <sighs> and then went, Liam? And I'm like, I'm not Liam. He's so like, yes. oh, I'm at the wrong address. Should have gone, yes, I'm Liam. Yeah, he wouldn't have bought that, I don't think. Why not? All oh, the, the suspicious, the intentional yeah, suspicious yeah, yeah, nature yeah. that you've put into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Oh, so where are we up to? Oh, oh no, the sun doesn't burn. The sun doesn't burn, that's right. The sun does not burn, Dan. It doesn't burn. What if I go there? It still doesn't burn. I will, though. Well, it uh, burns me. No, but how could it... Do the definition of burning is is it, is it oxidation? Oh, it oxygen. Oxid, uh, oxidation reaction. So uh, you can't... Unless, I mean, you have oxygen does in it? your body. But you, you can't burn things without oxygen. Things don't burn without oxygen. Catalysts burn, don't they? Catalysts don't... No, no, catalysts, no, no, no. Not catalysts. The thing in a car... Catalytic converter. Catalytic converters. But they're Don't they com- burn without oxygen? They're going to convert. No, it can't be burning without oxygen. Maybe it cracks something and makes oxygen in it. I could burn carbohydrates to make energy. But it's not burning. It is not literally burning. You're cracking the bonds and you're extracting a chemical energy. That's not actual burning. We use the term uh, loosely. The sun is. You a- mean it's not on fire? It's not on fire. Okay. Sun's not on fire. It's not on fire. So you couldn't put it out with a hose. You could not put the sun out. With Chad, you could not put Chad out with a hose. Right. Number 52. Yeah? Number 52. It's the number of playing cards in a deck. Yes. And it's the number of white keys on a piano. Because you've got your ace, your two, your three, your four, your five, your six, your seven, your eight, your nine, your ten, your jack, your king, your queen. Yes. That's 13. Yep. Times by four. Yep. 52. Awesome. But there's also some jokers in there. They're rubbish. They don't count. They count for everything. They, they're they just rubbish. We and white keys on a piano. Yes. 52. White, with, with white keys on a piano is 52. There you I've go. always found that song, uh, Ebony and Ivory mm. live together in perfect harmony. Yeah. Side by the... side on my piano yeah. keyboard. Why can't we? Yeah, but the black ones still have to sit up the back. Yeah, and, and there's a lot less of them. The white keys feel a lot happier. Uh, and there's a lot less black keys there that they can keep them under control. You missed my bus joke. No, no, I know. I know. What, you didn't laugh at my bus joke. No, I didn't laugh at your bus joke. Okay. I, thought was, I thought it was quite a, um, a clever take on, um, on race relations. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, it's good. It's good. You should hear what I've got about misogyny. <laughs> Oh dear! Oh dear! So let's sci- get back to science. science. It's much less politically sen- <laughs> dangerous. Science this week. They have discovered they the the scientific like Lund people in Lund University or Lund Lund University maybe uh, have discovered element one one five. Well, they no, they synthesized it. They've actually created it in a lab. Oh wow! And they've created element one one five. It hasn't have a name at the moment. It's still using its its designation of. Is un- that the highest one so far? No, no, no. The one one seven. They already, so they proposed that it existed, but they never yes. actually. That's right, and they, made they it. synthesized it. Yeah, and so it's, it has a hundred and fifteen protons all crammed together. I don't know how many neutrons they put in there. Oh yeah, basically, it, but it doesn't last. It it lasts for like billionths of a second before it tears itself into smaller and smaller pieces. So how does that make it an element then? Mm-hmm. Like, in that fraction of a second, is it sitting there going, I'm totally this element? Yep. Or is it just desperately trying not to be that well, as soon as possible? That's an interesting way of thinking about it. it but anything that's radioactive is desperately trying not to be that thing. They get too big after a while. Ah. The strong nuclear force only works at about two femtometers. So that's the force that's trying to drag it all together, the protons together. But electromagnetic force... 
cause all those positive things, all those positive protons. Because if you put two magnets together, positive to positive or north to north, what happens? Uh, they repel. They repel. So the same as two protons. Two protons come together and they're like, piss off, I don't like you! And they try, they don't, try not to be together. What holds them together once they, once they get close enough is, is the strong nuclear force. Bond goes, okay, electromagnetic force is trying to pull you apart. Strong nuclear force at two femtometers holds you together much, much stronger. Mm. That's fine when you've got a helium atom just doing its thing, like two protons and two neutrons all just yep. hanging out together. But when you get 115 protons... Helium is too. Yep, yep, yep. 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 You gave me a funny look. Uh, no, I, I was just, I was, I, was, I was passing that information going, but wait, wait what's H2O? I'm like, oh, no, Dan, you're, you're this entirely different field. <laughs> different kettle of fish, Dan. They're, they're totally. You, you, you could put a fish into a kettle of H2O. You couldn't put a fish into a kettle of HE. Uh, you could. It'd just be frozen fish. 115 protons. That's a lot of protons. And they have, they have size. They have mass. They have size. So they are much further apart than two femtometers. So therefore, the strong nuclear force doesn't have much effect on them. So they, the electromagnetic force is like, oh, we're out of here! And they're trying to pull it apart. So the whole thing's trying to tear itself to pieces. This is pretty much the half life this is nah, i'm gonna get complaints about that i realize but just trying to make it simplified here even things like uranium have a half-life uranium is turning yeah. into lead but it has a half-life of millions of years uh-huh. so that's it's transforming it's, it's breaking itself apart into smaller smaller elements so instead of taking millions of years this element 115 at the moment designated un un pentium one which means 115 it's tearing itself to pieces into small elements that are more stable yeah so, yes, it but, is 115. So it, but it's kind of like saying, it's, it's well, okay, okay, here's my mental exercise. Sure. What you do is you, you take oh, six billion tiny, tiny cannons mm. that each fire a piece of talcum powder, mm. and they all fire it at r- roughly the same time, and at a single point in time, all those, did I say talcum powder? Yes. Okay, so all those single dots of talcum powder land in the same spot in a particularly mathematical fashion to form a statue of David. Mm. And then then it's gone. And mm. you're like, well, that there you go. There's another statue. And it's like, that's not a statue. It's It only lasted for... Yeah, but a statue... I see what you're saying there. A statue is defined by the fact that it defines a shape for a period of time. Like you wouldn't, it, it, We wouldn't call that a statue. What this has and why it is an element is it will have certain properties for those billionth of a second. It, gold for a billionth of a second does not have the same properties as hydrogen for a billionth of a second, even if you were tearing things apart. Oh, all right. So, so it will actually have very specific... It will have a specific melting point and a specific boiling point. It will, have, it will ha- be able to alloy with certain things, uh, react oh, chemically okay. with other things. It some um, breakdown on the nuclear level is just another thing it does. Things have half-lives. Okay, cool. You can get polonium and, and whack it in someone and they die. It, it has a so if you could freeze time and you could make a whole bunch of this stuff... Yes. ...and you could have a glob of it, it would be a glob of something completely new. Yes, that's right. Or more... Okay. But even if, forget stopping time, because I think that's sort of science fiction. If you were going really, really, really fast, like close to the speed of light, ah. and it was outside the ship, your frame of reference, you hurtled past the device that was making it, and you took measurements, it'd say it lasts a billionth of a second, but you're traveling at 99.9999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999999
there might be these islands of stability, and, I, and it's hard to explain why. But there's this idea that these massive, massive, supermassive elements with, I don't know what number, I'm, I'm just going to say 280, but please don't think that's an actual number, 280 protons. No, no, prove Greg wrong. <laughs> Get a super collider. Yes, yeah, and look, the, I, I would love to be wrong, if they, and, and that would actually open up a whole new area of physics. There are supermassive elements that, that are stable, comparatively stable, at, at massive uh, sizes. That would be a whole new area of physics, supermassive chemistry and that sort of stuff. We get to do that thing where uh, where people in the movies where they go, oh, it's 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 made out of iron and, and bauxite and then it's 40% an unknown element. Which is ludicrous. I always love that because you just look at that they go, we, it's something that's never been seen before on Earth. Okay, maybe that's, you know, because helium hadn't been seen. Well, we didn't know helium existed on Earth until quite relatively quite recently. Very hard to see helium. Yeah, and that's why, but it was still here. I, I just love the idea that, that a, a real scientist would go, Tell you what, I'll just nip out and get a spectrograph, and then we'll take a spectral sample of it, and and we'll work out what what the thing is. I'll I'll actually find out what the properties are pretty quickly by the light it gives off and the way it interacts with other things. Just give me an hour. No, no one can because <laughs> he comes back an hour later and he's like, yeah, um, it's got protons and electrons and something else such as green. Yeah, well, yeah, and, yeah. Cu- and it's the shape of a cube's been around it. It's and, uh, and it gave me. It, yeah, I'm gonna have to hand it over to the boys in, from the X division. And what was really interesting it had a big sign saying "piss off" on it. That was a bit strange. <laughs> I was like, they baffle, scientists baffle. Anyway, uh, hundred. So enjoy element one one five. Here's what I want from the audience. What would you call? element if you discovered it which you didn't unless you are from lund university therefore please get back in contact with what you're going to call it but what would you call the new element 115 you get to name it so please write in and tell us now start off the bat unobtainium unobtainium from avatar yep. no stop Still everyone exists everyone's already said that unobtainium already exists doesn't it no it doesn't no doesn't it no no unobtainium doesn't exist it, it does it's a made-up thing no it's a real thing i don't think it is i'm pretty sure it is oh well we're gonna find out well why don't we let our audience find out and get and okay. they can walk of shame so dan's going to unobtainium or I, is, was greg right it doesn't exist or dan's right it does exist yeah unobtainium a- a- officially named unobtainium so uh, yeah but you can't pick that name pick something interesting the other I'm going to take away from you just to be a total bastard. You can't call it Illyrium from XCOM. Not allowed to call it Illyrium because okay. I've got rid of the two common big ones I came up top of my head. Kryptonite? No. Well, that exists. Yeah. Well, well Krypton. Uh, Krypton. Yeah, Krypton uh, gas. Yeah, Krypton. Yes, 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 yes. But still. Yes. Uh, mine, because uh, it lasts for like an absolute billionth of a second. Yes. Explodium. Oh, that's, uh, that's quite fun. Ah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. There you go. So there you go, listeners. Come up with the name of Element 115. And we promise that we will call it that forever on the podcast, but it will not be scientifically recognized okay. in any kind of way. Uh, but not like Chad. Not like Chad. Yeah. That is, well, we discovered Chad. Yeah, we, we discovered Chad. We discovered Chad. And well, I mean, no, people knew that Chad was there, well, but we yes. named Chad. We named Chad. So we're naming, no, it will be. No, no, they discovered it. They discovered it. They get to name it. We didn't discover. We discovered Chad. No one had discovered, no one had named it before we did. We didn't, I just read an article saying it had been existed. I have not actually seen element oh, right. five. Yep, you can't right. make that call. Not it's really. very hard to plant a flag yes. in an element. Or on well, Chad. No. <laughs> well, yeah, you'd need a... um. Yeah, you'd need a flag made out of an element previously unknown to humans. Speaking of Chad, otherwise known to layman as the Sun, people are stepping the Earth Sun, the Earth Sun for oh. those intergalactic oh, travelers. Thank you for listeners, yeah, or people in the very far future where, this, where it's died. Oh, that's very sad. Hope, hope the um, you're extracting and being replaced, hopefully. Well, yeah, and I hope you're extracting enough energy from the uh, supermassive black hole in the center of our galaxy that lets you live a full and fulfilling life. Could you do that? You could run a planet on Hawking radiation, couldn't you? Well, that's probably what we're going to have left. If Hawking radiation exists, it's theoretical at the moment. Oh, that's a big outlay. Uh, Yeah, pretty much. technology. But in the end, when all the stars are dead and you've only got big gravitational fields, that's still an energy potential difference. Gravitational potential energy, blah, blah, blah. You could still extract energy from the system. And if Hawking radiation exists, then yeah, you would have to. But you talk about a universe that would have to be at uh, three degrees above absolute zero. So 207, oh, it's about now less than that, actually. 200, maybe one degree or two degrees above absolute zero. Mm. It's cold. Anyway, so enjoy your freezing future. I have heard about people who, with, without asking, are using the power of Chad. You don't seem 
You don't seem perturbed by that. What, like solar power? Yes. Yeah. Chad power. Chadular power. Chadular power. But the, and I was, I was very annoyed I was going to get a cease and desist letter until they asked, well, I, they wouldn't actually call it chadular power, so we have, we have no, no um, legal standpoint at all. But they're actually doing a very cool thing. They're Can driving. You copyright the Earth Sun? I, I'm trying. I'm giving it a go. We named Registered it. Registered trademark. <laughs> uh, don't look at it. It's ours. Well, don't look at it because it'll burn your eyes yeah. out. Also that. <laughs> These people are trying to drive across Australia using nothing but the power of Chad. Welcome to the podcast, Anthony Pryor, a team member of Team Arrow. <laughs> I, I have to say it like that. Hello, Anthony. How you doing? How you doing? Now, what is Team Arrow? Please tell our listeners who don't know what is Team Arrow and what you're actually trying to do. Team Arrow is a bunch of guys and some people and some companies and just folks around Brisbane who are interested in the crazy idea of building a solar-powered car that's going to race from Darwin to Adelaide. That's, um, that is crazy. Yeah. Darwin to Adelaide. That's a, For our international listeners, that is officially known as a really long way. Uh, yeah, just over 3,000 kilometres to be exact, but yeah, it's a long way. <sighs> is there a lot of sun between Darwin and Adelaide? <laughs> Uh, a, lot, a lot of sun. There's a big desert across there. So, yeah, it looks to take us about five or six days of uh, 40 degree heat and lots of sun, indeed. Oh, my goodness. So, your car is purely solar powered. So, it just runs on the energy it takes from the sun. There's no, it's not a hybrid or anything like that. Uh, yeah, essentially. We have a, a battery which we charge at the beginning and uh, we run that down, but that'll get us all about 100 kilometers down the road. So, that's just really there to get us through cloudy patches and uh, smoke or whatever. Yes. And also <laughs> just to get us up the occasional hill where we need a bit more oomph. We, we use the power of the sun to recharge that uh, battery as we go. So, uh, yes, pretty much power of the sun for, to get travel that distance. That's amazing. So how fast... Guys, I saw your car. I went to the, the, the Brisbane exhibition and I saw the car sitting there and it kind of looked like something that Batman would drive. That was a, It had this kind of sleek, flat look to it. It was pretty, pretty futuristic. Yeah, this competition is... Yeah, it's about the solar, but it's really a fair bit about the aerodynamics as well. Mm. Uh, there's not a lot of power in these cars. It's a bit of Thing that people throw around sort of about the power of a toaster or of a hairdryer. So it's not a huge amount of power. So, oh, wow. Uh, so, I imagine that the air conditioning really takes a fair bit out of the engine as well. <laughs> We'd love to have some air con for the guys, but that's a, it's a bit of a luxury. Just put on um, a diesel engine out the back just to run the air con. That kind of, I, think, I think you're missing the point, Dan. I may be missing the point. You might be missing the point. So you couldn't even run an iPod on that then. You couldn't even listen to music on the way because you're putting all the power into making the wheels go round. Yeah, it is. And it comes down to it's all about efficiency. Uh, so the aerodynamics, it has to be really, really slippery to get through the air because mm. at those speeds, the aero is the, the largest drag on the car, followed up by the tyres, which is we've got some special tyres from, from Michelin, who's a very proud sponsor of ours, um, especially made for the, solar, for the solar challenge, very low resistance. So between the tyres and mainly the air resistance, that's the main thing that slows us down. Now, when I was looking at the at the uh, car, and we'll put a link to the, your website in, in our links in, for this after this interview, I was looking at it going, it's kind of shaped like a wing. It's sort of, uh, you know, that low area uh, angle of attack, that very, very sleek, thin, and, and very shiny, and, and not much friction. But does it actually have lift? Like, like is it trying to lift itself slightly, or is it, is it just trying to cut through the air? Yeah, it's just cutting through the air, so theoretically it should have neutral lift. So neutral it's just there to cut through the air as, uh, as uh, slipperily as possible. When you say that the tyres have low resistance, does that mean that it's really good? for skids like does that mean that like if you lock the you wheels it's just going to slide down the road uh, they have they have traction they have um, traction but okay but there's <laughs> low resistance right, yeah. to the air low rolling resistance is a technical term yeah oh okay yes Go. oh so the, so the uh, the bearings for instance uh, have very little okay okay <laughs> neat one on the board now that, okay so this what this car I don't say what's the range of it. I suppose the range is three thousand kilometres. I mean, but does it just run continuously whilst the sun's out, or does it need to charge up a battery and then deplete a battery? We start with a charge up battery and drive for the day. Where so the rules stipulate we start at eight and we finish at five. So wherever you are at five o'clock, you pull up and you camp for the night. And essentially, we tip the cells on its side and we catch the last few rays of the sun just to give the batteries a bit of recharge before the, the sun sets. And in the morning, similarly, <laughs> we tilt the, tilt the solar cells up again to catch those last early few rays before we start off in the morning as well. And then we're off again. Yeah, between 8 and 5 we race and we camp where we are at 5 o'clock. In the right conditions on a flat road with the sun beating down. In the, and let's face it, for the people who don't know, the outback sun in Australia is murderous. I mean, it's abs- it is literally murderous. It, it will kill you. The sun, Chad, wants to kill you at all opportunities in the outback. That's my, my knowledge of the Australian sun. It's very violent. It, how fast can the car go at, at top speed with full power? We think if we... Uh 
really pull some juice out of the batteries. It'll probably get over 100 k's. We haven't really dialed up to maximum yet. Really? That uh, fast? 100 k's an hour? Wow, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. We can't sustain that because obviously they choose a lot of juice. We think we can sustain, hoping 70 to 80 k an hour would be our, our average speed. So you want, because it is actually a race, it's not just an endurance slog to get there. You actually have to go, you have to try and get the most efficient and the fastest speed as well to make sure that That's you right, get yeah. there first. Indeed, yeah. And we've got some pretty hefty competition. There's some uh, a big competition for Japan, the US, and the Dutch. Well, people are also uh, big competitors. So, well, well known for sunlight, they, the Dutch. Well, that's the thing. That's, <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's why they're so efficient. I guess it makes it look like that. We got it up to 80 uh, in, in Finland. It's like, oh, God, it's <laughs> going to go like 140. And Hang on a minute. It's had a giant windmill on the top. That's not the spirit of the race. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? Keeps just blowing it around. Count out of it. So it's a race. I'm trying to picture this now. It's not going to be like yep. Formula One where it's like everyone jostling for position. I assume the pack gets quite spread out quite quickly. Yeah, so they have a, a, what they call a hot lap. So a day or two before the race, everyone goes to a Hidden Valley Racetrack in Darwin and you do a lap. And mm. essentially that gives you pole position if you want. So the person who comes first, they start off first and they stagger it out after that. So we don't all... Oh, okay. The, so it's like a rally, yeah. more like a rally then. They, they, they let you off at different times. Yeah, so it's like mm. a rally and it's all time. So the people at the end of the, the team at the end of the day who's got the, uh, the shortest time wins. And, but, but also there must be that, I mean, if your car's doing really well, it must be really exciting to be driving down an endless straight road and suddenly you see a little car in front of you getting larger and larger and you're like, gonna get him, gonna get him. It's like trying to push your car forward with your body. I mean, do you have, do we, passing each other must be really, very exciting with lots of hand gestures and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a very, uh, it's a bit, almost a ballet the passing because uh, everyone's going at very much the same speed. So uh, <laughs> a bit of coordination and TV radio talking to actually pass someone. So, hello, uh, hello. You, you put a, you put two fingers out the window to to mock them as you go by, and it increases your drag, and suddenly you drop back behind them. Back. <laughs> right. And there are road <laughs> trains. Good point. What about? I mean, it, it's, they're, not, they're not shutting the road off. So that you must be sharing the road with normal cars. So that was yeah, so getting hairy. Sharing with normal cars, yeah, normal cars, road trains, uh, there's occasional <laughs> cattle grid as well you've got to deal with. So. <laughs> cattle grid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the, the road trains, when I, I work out there occasionally with my job, and road trains are scary when you're in a normal car. Like Those things are huge, and they just sort of blast you back. If you're in a car that um, has neutral lift... <laughs> that must be a rather interesting experience. Yeah, I haven't actually experienced it yet, but it sounds like it sounds like it's going to be uh, interesting indeed. Because uh, we weigh all of we weigh all of that two hundred fifty kilograms all, all up at the end of the day. So, <laughs> so what you want you want them to come up behind you and give you a boost with the wind? That's, no, no, no. What you do is you jump in behind them and you drift behind oh, them. That's gonna, oh, that's good. So, so it'd be like Darwin drift. Fast and the Furious really 7, Darwin Drift. I imagine you Love can't it. drift behind the other solar-powered cars because they're not creating much drag. Yeah, there's not much of a, not much there to really hide behind, unfortunately. So, so it's just going. Yeah. Okay, so I, that's the cars. That's that's sort of talking about 300 k's, and it will just sort of run for 3,000 kilometers. It's just brilliant. I think it's amazing. But mm. so, who are you guys, and who is Team Arrow, and what made you go? You know, we're going to create a solar-powered car. Oh, essentially, it's one of those things. A good friend of mine, Cameron Chisley, who runs Integral a tech company was in, in Brisbane here. I rang up one day and said, hey, Anthony, do you want to join the World Solar Challenge? I thought, why not? <laughs> you, you checked your watch. i got nothing to do before lunch. Let's see what happens. That's right. The rest of the year looking pretty quiet. Yeah, we'll give that a go. Um, <laughs> so we just got some uh, other, other interested folk within Brisbane. So Team Arrow is very much a Queensland-based company. We try mm. to use as much as possible uh, technology and capabilities and people within Brisbane to try and prove that Queensland can do this and uh, produce a solar car. So uh, one of our very good supporters is a company called Tridium, and they actually make the electronics for probably two-thirds of the cars that actually race in these things. So right. we've got the good people on our team there. Yes. Um, what sort of electronics uh, do you need? I mean, I guess you've got to capture the solar power and release the power at the right rate. Like, there wouldn't, yeah, so, uh, there wouldn't be power windows and stuff. <laughs> Yeah, so essentially Tridium provide what they call the motor controller. So it takes inputs from the from the controls and the driver has and essentially turns a wheel. It sounds simple, but it's actually quite complicated. A <laughs> uh, fair bit of, of electronics to make that work. And also what we have is a, we provide, they provide us with their battery monitoring system. We're using lithium-ion batteries, the mm. same as what the Tesla use. They're great, they're very light and have a lot of power for their weight, but they unfortunately have a habit of catching on fire if you don't <laughs> look after them properly. Right. So there's a, yeah. So we have uh, some serious electronics to monitor those and make sure they charge correctly and discharge mm. correctly and then they go out of spec and 
I'm guessing it's not heat related because you don't want to have like once again you're driving through the uh, center of Australia and it's going to get hot. So everything catches on fire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Things catching on fire is part of the course. Okay, so I love I love this idea that that you're a bunch of guys who just went let's go and do this thing. That's I think people talk about oh you know no one has any kind of spirit anymore and no one no one does anything interesting. But that, but you sort of proved that wrong as you just decided let's give it a go. So you're not you're not solar panel experts before this. That's not is that your area of expertise? We have some people who've... Uh, we've got a bit of heritage as well. But back in the late 90s, University of Queensland had a couple of entries in the World Solar Challenge. So we've got a couple of guys who've come back to get a band back together as well for that uh, <laughs> in our team. So they know a bit about <laughs> about these things. They've been great out there. Uh, Trudy know a lot about the power electronics, but yeah, for a lot of us, it's about learning, hey, let's figure this stuff out again because things have changed a lot in the last like, 15, 20 years. So, yeah, I yeah. suppose so. Just talk about the solar panels. The solar panels, are they the same sort of things that you'd whack on, the, on your roof to generate power for your house? Yeah, it's similar. I have a little bit a little bit better. The one on, a, on your roof, they're generally about, no, no, so 18% efficiency. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ones where you're using are 22.8%, so they're quite a bit more efficient uh, solar panel, and they cost quite a lot more as well for that extra. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, we're getting, that's, um, we're, getting, we're getting there slowly there with, with um, as we put more money into solar power, we're getting more and more efficient cells, aren't we? Oh, that's right. And there is other types of cells. Essentially, you can get cells as well, which is what satellites use, now up to 35% efficient. Right. But they're several hundred thousand dollars to put, a, uh, <laughs> to put them on our car. So uh, we're on a bit of a shoestring budget, so we didn't go for those. So. Now, is there is there actually a, a budget constraint? Is it like kind of like football, where you can't just spend millions of dollars on buying all your players, or, or could it, like it, like if Bruce Wayne came and just wanted to become like make the Batmobile solar powered, he could just throw as much money as he wanted at it to make him the most you know get the actual military uh, satellite ones, uh, solar cells. Yeah, not really. I suppose they, there is a rule with the solar cells. If you go for the high tech satellite grade solar mm. cells, you can only use three square meters. Whereas if you use the silicon ones like we have, you can use up to six square metres of cells. So, um, so there's actually very few teams this year using the, the high-tech cells, which kind of brings everything back to more level playing field. Yeah. And also they've changed the rules this year. It's a four-wheel car instead of a three-wheel car, which it has been for quite a while. Mm. Uh, and the driver actually has to sit more upright in a more normal sitting position. And that was in, a, in an effort to try to slow the cars down as well, because they're getting you know, way too fast. <laughs> slow the cars uh, down? Well, there's not, I imagine that the safety features are not quite up to spec to, say, a uh, 2007 model Volvo. Well, no, we, we do have regulations we have to have to meet. So it has a roll cage, and there's rules mm. about uh, you have to absorb certain amounts of energy from impacts and such. Mm. So there is some there, but no, it's not going to be like a Volvo, as you say. No it's, it's, airbags. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no airbags. No. <laughs> now, it's, so, uh, yeah, the solar cell. So you have, you have had to choose. It's kind of like, it, this reminds me of like the America's Cup, when they say, okay, your mm. yacht has to fit these specifications, and, and you can work within these specifications, you know, the wing keel for many, many years ago, and that sort of stuff. But, but really, it, you, you do have a very a lockdown sort of set of parameters you have to work within. That's right. It's very yeah, lockdown. There's mm. a lot of sort of regulations we have to follow, mm. which relate to um, how much batteries you can carry and how many solar panels you can have, mm. how many wheels you have to have, lighting, signage. There's rules about signage. Just uh, just to make it you know, a set of problems, it's a bit of a challenge to mm. to, uh, to come up to the best solution for that. There's it's an optimization issue. Rules about yeah. signage, did you say? Yes. Yeah. Just to mix it up, you know, just to make it hard for us, we have to have so much amount of signage on the car. So then you have to offset the shape of the car versus how much solar panels you have versus how you're going to do your signs oh, requirements. Of course, because you, you can't put the, the, the vinyl sticker over the top of your solar panel because that would be, of course, blocking uh, the light. What you do is you set yeah. up a sail and you put the sponsors <laughs> across the sail hey, and then when you've got a tailwind... Now you're thinking Dutch, Dan. You can't do that. <laughs> Stop thinking so Dutch. That's not nice. Uh, yeah, so that's, so it is, like a, it is like, a, like a Rubik's Cube. You've got to kind of fit it all together. The, how are we going to not bend the rules but work within the rules to get the most efficient car? Oh, that's right. Exactly. And we had a, originally we started off our car, we had a design where the driver was sitting off to the side as kind of an asymmetric design. Mm. And we felt that was really much more aerodynamic than a current design, but we weren't quite satisfied that it was stable enough. So we did have to go <laughs> back to the design, as you saw at the Echo, where the driver sits in the middle. Mm. It did look like a B-Wing from Star Wars. Much to our uh, dismay, some of the other, uh, other teams have put the, uh, the asymmetrical design and, uh, uh, yeah. some choice words about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they might flip over or something. There you go. But then that means you'll just go straight past them. There you go. And then you'll be laughing. Laughing! As oh, it would be good. <laughs> so, um, so you've got a driver for this? Yeah, we've got a number of drivers. We've got four drivers who we'll be putting through training. And for the drivers as well, it's, it's, you can't just go and get any old fellow. We've put some restrictions around that. They're, um, 
for our car, they have to be under 171 centimetres tall, under 80 kilograms, and their bottom has to be less than 35 centimetres across. Oh, three, three, stri- <laughs> oh, wow. three strikes and I'm out. I think oh, that's, that's not good. I'm slightly too tall, I'm slightly too fat, and my bum is slightly too big. Damn it. <laughs> so are you guys like uh-huh. trawling like horse races looking for jockeys? <laughs> <laughs> no, we've uh, we just put the word out amongst our, some of our friends, and also Tees, who's one of our sponsors as well, has um, uh, we put the call out amongst Tees to provide a uh, the opportunity for them to provide a driver. We found a, a suitable driver there, and uh, amongst our group of friends and associates of the team, we've managed to find the others, and also QUT, one of the students from QUT who we're working with this year as well, is going to be driving for us also. So, what are the skills that they need to like? Are there specific skills to driving a solar powered car? Yeah, you have to stay awake in heat for three hours driving down a straight road. All oh, right. Mm. <laughs> That's always, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. not good. It's actually very, very good. Exactly. It's, it's a very straight line between Darwin and Adelaide. <laughs> Honestly, one of the biggest things is the drivers staying awake. And do you uh, just plant your foot? Or do, you ha- do you just plant your foot on the accelerator or you, do you have to juggle a certain speed or like are there, because I know uh, that with, um, there's a thing called a hypermiling mm. in normal cars where you, you try to accelerate you don't accelerate up the hills and then you take lots of energy going, you build up your speed going down the hill. But then I guess that's in a heavy car where these things are light as a leaf. Mm. Yeah, well, there's a strategy behind that as well. So there's optimization. There's, you know, if there's clouds, you have to go faster through the clouds or you just go slower. Uh, when you're going up hills, you power up the hill, but then as you go down, you can actually regenerate um, electricity back. So, mm. uh, ah. break, we... so the car actually yeah, will, so, so that you can get power in both ways. You're not just power to the wheel, you can get power from the wheel. That's right, yeah. So when you're going down a hill, you can just, Click on what they call regenerative braking, mm. and that actually recharges the battery source. Right. Okay. That's that's. And slows down. Uh, okay. Mm. So, how much energy do you think you get back from that? Is that an efficient system? Like, is that is that is that a, a part of your energy budget that you can say yes, that's a you know two percent, ten percent, something like that, or is it just a very small amount? Uh, it's probably at the end of the day, it's fairly small because we try not to slow down um, once you get up to speed. <laughs> <laughs> we try not to stop as little as possible. So, I like yeah. that. Sounds very Australian. I like that. We don't, we don't we we try not to slow down. That's uh, slowing down's for chumps. We don't really want to do that. That sounds. <laughs> It's a good way of doing it. Now, the speed limit's still, I'm guessing, 100 or 110 in those sort of places, depending on parts of the highway. I'm guessing you still have to follow the Australian road rules. So you, it's not like a race. It's not like the cannonball run where everyone's, like, charging around and leaping off and attacking things. But, yeah, no, we ha- unfortunately, unfortunately, we have to meet all the uh, all the speed restrictions. I believe there is a section in the to- in the territory. It was 130. I don't know if it's open now, but there is. There is you're getting up to fairly high speeds on the street, I say. Mm. Uh, but as you said, that's, that's not something you particularly aim at. It's, it's more a high speed for a long time, not the highest speed. Yeah, we try to just pick a speed that we think is the optimal speed, and we just try to sit on that, essentially. So when, when you talk about different teams, we've got, how many teams are competing, do you know? 47 teams oh, wow. from 26 countries around the world. Yep. That's, that's, a, that's a big... We don't have a shot! We don't, 47 oh, teams! No, come on, we invented sunshine in Australia. Come on, we, we, we must have a shot at solar power. <laughs> You've calmed me now. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well uh, Australia has five teams, I believe, or at least four anyway. So there's the cells and University of Western Sydney is in the one division. So there's actually a number of divisions as well. So there's a straight, outright, fastest, first cross line division. Mm-hmm. And there's also another division where they try to make the car more like a practical real car. So there's a few more regulations around around the car. So it's, it's had to carry more than two people or two people or more amongst other things and mm-hmm. be more of a practical car. So there's, there's one team from University of New South Wales is in that one. Mm-hmm. And I believe uh, South Australia Tafe has got a, a team in that one as well. So there's yeah. four teams from Australia competing this year. Yeah. Uh, well, they, uh, yay, yay Australia. Yay us. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. How does, is it is the, these cars going to be different? I mean, will there be a large range of cars? Like, uh, is someone going to unveil something and they go oh my goodness we never knew like the secret device they put in or is it all kind of well-known well-tested technology i guess everyone's constrained to the same amount of solar panels and everyone's going to use very much the same kind of solar panel and everyone uses very much the same kind of battery so it comes down to pretty much the shape of the car and from what we've seen there's about there's two main designs and a couple of ones out in the on the boundaries as well so it's probably converging around you know, say three or four different designs mm. essentially much the same thing that people have Come come from different areas and just kind of converged on about three or four different designs, mm. uh, which is interesting uh, considering that they mixed the rules up this time around. I thought there'd be a fair bit of diversity, but there's only really about yeah three or four real variations on a theme essentially. Right. So it's not like a Birdman rally <laughs> where people are just building one out of uh, big cardboard boxes and a set of wings. <laughs> <laughs> no. that a whole bunch of kettles across the top of the roof. Is it possible? I, 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 do all the wheels, all four wheels, have to be powered wheels? No. Yeah, that's that's open to interpretation. We're just using one. 
some teams are using two, oh. and some are using four wheels powered. So it just comes down to what calculations you do and how you think it's yeah, yeah. going to work for you. That's interesting because yeah. my, my brain, uh, while I'm chatting to you, I'm just saying, how would I design it? And part of my brain went to like a Polynesian canoe, you know, with a big outrigger on the side. It's basically a motorbike <laughs> with an outrigger, and on the outrigger you put all your solar cells. See, I'm I'm very well, excited. Was- I want to build this. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's, that's essentially our first design, was an outrigger. It was very much like that. So, I am behind yeah, the uh, times! <laughs> <laughs> ah, but that's what, everyone, that's, that's, that's what some of the leading teams have gone with, the asymmetrical oh, design, the, uh, right. the outrigger design. So, there you go. Uh, we're kind of kicking ourselves we didn't stick with that, because we think it's actually a better design. But, uh, yeah. we are, well, we my are, design, yeah. in my mind, is a one-wheeled pod uh, and a blimp supporting it, <laughs> covered in solar cells. Oh, that's very clever. <laughs> yeah, that's, I don't think it'll pass muster. Fair that's enough. That's fair enough. It's, uh, okay, so so if I might get I might I might get held up on the very first power cable, <laughs> or a very large gust of wind just lifts you into the air. <laughs> Suddenly, it's a solar challenge to the moon. Uh, so when so when's this actually happening? When are you racing? The sixth of October. Sixth of October. So not too far away now. Oh. So I'm guessing you're starving your your drivers to get every last <laughs> every last kilogram off them. Like no chocolate, <laughs> no beer, nothing. Well, unfortunately, um, there's an eighty kilogram allowance. So if they are lighter than eighty. They have to carry some ballast. So, oh. um, yeah. <laughs> so they're like a horse. Oh. They're like horse. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a handicap. What you do is you feed them full of beans, get a little bit of jet propulsion going. Oh, for goodness. Uh, too lowbrow? Too lowbrow. Uh, yeah, so what, that, what uh, folks do do in the past is uh, on weigh-in day, of course, you gorge yourself with water and, uh, and chocolate and fill up on the day. <laughs> and you dehydrate <laughs> throughout the to, day. Try not to throw up on the scales. <laughs> get that extra couple of kilos off there. <laughs> now, so, so can you do, now we're talking about being cunning. Is it possible to like put it just just you know in your pocket, just have some pedals, and you could just kind of connect them to the inside wall of the car, and you could like pedal the batteries? You know what I'm saying? Well, if, you, if you can get away, I think you could. <laughs> I'm sure someone's going to check for this. I'm I'm, I'm guessing. Ah, so they have, have to work within the rules. Ah, fair enough. It's a, yeah, uh, there's, there's a lot of creative interpretation of rules there, so, but as long as you can convince the scrutineers, then you're okay. But, uh, <laughs> I love that yeah. idea of look. We went through the rules, and the scrutineers just like, nah. You know, oh, come on, come on. We need a blimp. We need a big balloon on the top. Going over your car, going. Is that a thorium reactor? <laughs> no, no, that's fine. It's it's fusion. It's fine. It's like the sun. It's for the air conditioning. <laughs> so how can people help you and help Team Arrow? How can, if people get, are excited by solar-powered challenges, that sort of stuff, how can they help you or how can they help the, the solar-powered championship? Uh, how can they help? Well, I can jump onto our website and uh, get in contact. We're still looking for sponsors. Like I said, we're on a bit of a shoestring budget. There actually is a bit on the end of the shoestring is probably our budget. Um, <laughs> we're making do with what we have. So, yeah, if people are we're looking for sponsorships from individuals or companies, whoever wants to throw us some money, we'll slap a sticker on the side and if it's the right amount, we'll call it your company. Oh, there you <laughs> go. Oh, you, it could be, if we had millions of dollars, it would be the smart enough to know better solar challenge car. That'd mm. be brilliant. It'd need to be tethered to a blimp. Though. It would have, but that, that is our stipulation. It would have to be tethered to a blimp. That's our thing, unfortunately. <laughs> Every, we only travel by blimp, unfortunately. Uh, I know it's a bit <laughs> archaic, but it's sort of fun. Do you think this is going to get turned into more mainstream technologies in cars in the future? Because let's face it, fossil fuels are a big problem. We're running out of them and carbon dioxide and ocean acidification, all that sort of good stuff. Is, is what you're doing translatable into technology in the future in, in cars or in transport? Well, absolutely. Uh, what we're seeing is, you see the Tesla has come out in the States now, that's quite a popular car, uh, and it uses a lot of the technology that evolved out of the solar racing challenge over the years. Things like the aerodynamics and the battery packs, the power controllers, all this research is, we've got big companies, big universities, you know, just busting their guts out to put some, some new ideas in these things, and that, a lot of that trickles into the, into the technology. Uh, of cars we see. Purely solar-powered cars, probably not, but I think there's still a lot of the technology comes out of this race uh, from the efficiencies and from the mm. design of the motors certainly gets fed into the, uh, you know, hopefully we'll see a lot more electric cars on the, on the, on the road mm. in the future. Mm. Um, so do you have uh, solar panels on your house? Yes, I do. Ah, oh, there you go. He walks the walk, he talks the talk. There you ah. go. That's how you do it. <laughs> That's a bit of an odd one, though, because yeah. you mentioned that in the in the early mornings, in the late evenings, you get a bit of yep. power out of the sun. How much is the difference in the amount of power you get out of the sun just after it's risen and the middle of the day when it's directly overhead? Quite a bit. Uh, and it all comes down to geometry, actually. The angle of the sun as it shines onto your solar panel, if it's low on the horizon you don't get much I guess if you tip your solar panel up to face the horizon you get a little bit more out of it but it, there is not a lot there but it's certainly worthwhile trying anyway okay because I mean the difference in distance to the sun in the morning and in the middle of the day wouldn't be very much it's not distance it's angle 
but if you point yeah. if you point the, the the thing straight at the sun and then keep it pointed at the sun, the distance isn't very big. Is so if it was, I don't know. Is the is the is the solar panel absorbing just radiant energy, or um, is the thermal absorbing. heat? No. I don't know. I'm freaking out. <laughs> it's, it's photons. It's absorbing, but I guess the, the difference is when the sun is low on the horizon, it has to go through a lot more air than when it is up high. Of course. Um, yeah, so you probably lose. Yeah, um, as it comes through the haze and the smoke on the horizon, you probably lose a lot. So when it comes up high, there's less air mm. for the sunlight to travel through. So Rayleigh um, scattering. That's of the one. course, that makes a, that makes a lot of sense. So the same reason the the the, the sun in the morning and the sun in the afternoon is red because of the the, yep. the and then in the day it's it, the sky is blue. That's the same reason that you get more energy in in the day as well. But it, I, I can yeah. sort of see why, because in summer you, you get so many, you know, watts per square meter from the sun. I don't know how many mm. it is. And in winter you get less. It's not because the sun's weaker, of course. It's just it's spread out over a wider area because of the angle of the sun. That sounds that's good. Right, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So that's that's good. So when you so by angling up your solar panel, you're making a smaller area. So the the same amount of energy is hitting a smaller area. Therefore, you get a higher output. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, yes, that's it. Okay. So, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. just running it through my head yeah. there. I was just trying to think. You, you, you get an assignment and cause and figure it that way. But it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's the... <sighs> now I'm excited. Trigonometry. Now I'm ready. Oh, I'll just <laughs> I'll just grab my uh, solar powered calculator, aka an abacus. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have a solar powered abac- um, uh, calculator. I've been using it for years. Yeah, but I don't. I've got an abacus. Oh, you have an abacus. Okay, that's fair enough. And of course, with that, now we've just descended into madness. I think it's time to probably let let Anthony go. Thank you very much to you, Anthony, for talking to us today. And best of luck to team. Arrow, and I hopefully people get behind you and sponsor you. Can they go somewhere and watch you race? Like, is that something? Can they go and wave at you and things like that? Uh, yeah, if you're somewhere between Darwin and Adelaide, you can camp out and give us a wave. And, <laughs> right. and, and maybe what would be really useful if you're going to go and do that is to, as they go past, go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just to give them that last little bit of push as they go along. I, I don't, that's yeah, not a cheating. A couple, couple of big mirrors as well. That'd be nice. It's a bit more fun ah. well. Hey, wait, is there any rules for that? If we just drove next to you with a massive parabolic mirror pointing it at your car the whole time, would you get caught out for that? Because that's not your fault. We're just two idiots with a parabolic mirror. Oh, just, just these two guys just following you. I don't we don't, we don't know that. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or two, two guys go out with a whole bunch of kites and just fly them over the competitors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> big, big kites. Big kites. Oh, no. Okay. We, we've got you. We've got your team arrow. Don't have to worry. Don't or say perhaps any- a blimp. A blimp. It's like a big floating cloud. All right. Just don't say anyone, uh, Anthony. Don't tell anyone. You don't know us. All right. It's all fine. We've got you back. Awesome. What a great interviewee. It was really great. As I said in the interview, I was really excited that people went, let's give us a go. Do you want to drive across Australia in a solar power car? Sure. Right. And I was really excited by that because that's that how gumption. I love gumption. So everyone should support them. If you're a person with some money in your pocket burning it away and you're like, I need to put this into a good scientific place, Team Arrow needs your help. It could be your car. You could put your name on it and it'd be, be awesome. And people would look at it and go, that person knows what's going on. Mm. That would be brilliant. I, I noticed something on the internet the other day. Everyone just went a bit, well, some people went a bit conspiracy theory and went, oh, my God, Fukushima is, like, is just mm. destroying the Pacific Ocean and it's, we've all been lied to and there's heat. It's just, the whole thing's irradiated. Uh. It's not. They've been getting... What they do is they've been cooling it down with water and then mm. putting that water, because it's radioactive water, yeah. into big tanks. And so that is a bit of a problem. They're mm. storing a lot of water there mm. now. And in theory there could be some leakage from those tanks into the groundwater and then that groundwater is pouring into the ocean at 300 tonnes of water a day. Yeah. But it's not 300 tonnes of radioactive water going in there. Yeah. It is a problem. One of the big issues originally, maybe what people are confusing here, when it first happened, the way they kept their old rods, the the rods that are inside the tower, Mm. when they were finished, the fuel rods, they'd be taken out. And those sounds really odd. You actually put it in a big pool. You take a big swimming pool and you put it in the big bottom of the big swimming pool. You'd have to be right on it. I read an article at this. You'd have to be literally touching it 
or maybe a couple of centimeters, like ten centimeters away from it, to, to hurt you. The mm. radiation, because the water are big molecules, and yep. and and it, so it doesn't. The alpha, the alpha particles are huge. They're basically helium nuclei. That's what it, that's what it is. Two protons, two neutrons. That's what it is. Mm. Beta, they're smaller, and then gamma, are the ones that gamma radiation that just goes everywhere. Yep. So the, these pools will get to keep them cool and keep them safe. Now, of course, when and they don't have a top on them, which I don't understand that particularly. Maybe maybe someone could explain why they didn't have a top on them, but they didn't. So when the flood came, of course, and poured water everywhere, they went into these pools and just just all that water came out of the pool, which ah. was seriously irradiated water. That's probably where the mistake they're making there. There was an initial horror, i.e., a nuclear reactor getting flooded, which is. Mm-hmm. But you're right now; it's not pumping endless radioactive sludge. You're not going to get Blinky the fish from Simpsons out in, out in the bay. It's still not a good thing, by the way. Yeah. You, it's, it's, it could yeah. cause a, long, a lot of problems for a long period of time. Yeah. That's why we should go maybe go to thorium reactors or even just... We're going to have to use nuclear. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm going to come out here and annoy some listeners, but we, we're going to have to use nuclear power we, because it, it's actually safer than nearly anything else. It's, it's More people die from radiation poisoning from burning coal. We've talked about this in the yep. podcast before, Arclight. Yeah, we, we interviewed someone in the past about this, and they explained how burning coal... There is radioactive elements in coal. It's being pumped into your atmosphere right now. You're breathing it right now. We have this fear of uh, radioactive power. Radioactive power, that's probably not a good thing to call it. Uh, I mean, the one thing I laughed at recently was you get an MRI. So you go down, you, get, you want to look inside your body, MRI, magnetic resonance imaging. Sounds nice. Oh, magnets. Everyone loves magnets. Sounds, yep. sounds a bit new agey. It's actually NMRI. Guess what the N stands for? Um, Not. It's not magnetic resonance imaging. Nuclear. What? N- nuclear magnetic resonance imaging. Sweet Jesus, I'm not getting in one. And that's the thing. People get I'll freaked out. come out looking like the Hulk. Because that's what you'd hope. Basically, I'll go in looking like the Hulk. It's, Ladies. <laughs> it fires. Pose. It's, Pose. He's flexing. Pose. Hulk, stop. That's, that's, that's right. Anyway, it's so we we freak out with the name nuclear. I mean, it's firing it's firing antimatter into your body. How's that for brilliant? Firing antimatter into your body to to work out what's going on inside you. Anyway, so we need to calm down about nuclear a bit. Do we have to be careful? Oh yes. And do we have to work out what we're going to do with the the stuff at the end? Of course we do. But to instantly go no to nuclear, Australia especially, we have forty percent of the world's uranium in our country in the ground. It is a really dumb idea to just to negate the whole idea of nuclear power. Because what else are we going to burn? Oil? It's awful. Because we need to make plastic things. Plastic things. You have all the goodwill that we did with an interview with someone driving a solar-powered car, and now you're like, <laughs> we need to step it up. I'm saying that for uh, my, in my world, this is what I think, and, and I'd love to hear the listeners yell at me and tell me why I'm wrong, but baseload, I would use baseload nuclear. I would have some nuclear reactors in Australia, and but not lots of them, just a couple to, to handle baseload powers. And when you wake up in the morning and everyone gets up and puts on their hair dryers and their cup of coffee machines, and that what's that new thing you bought, the, the one that boils water and cooks a, meat? A sous-vide machine. A, a sous-vide machine, all your exciting gadgets, and you need to have base power. And that's hard. But I'm not saying we should use only nuclear. We should also use solar, in Australia especially, uh, geothermal. Uh, we should use tidal and wind. I think the days of having one monolithic power source is over. I think nuclear will just make up a sizable, like like a percentage, 20%, 25%, and the rest will come from renewables. I would like to put a caveat here and remind everyone that a few podcasts ago, Dr. Joel Gilmore, the uh, professional environment mm, scientist, mentioned true. that we could get away without nuclear They're, and that it true. was all renewable energy and biofuel burning for baseload. The, and fair enough, biofuel, that, and that's fair enough. And Dr. Joel is a doctor and he works in this area and, I'm, and I could be wrong and I have no problem with and that. And Greg is, just loves the notion of nuclear stuff. I do. <laughs> I would love to have much more energy than I'd ever need. What? You could just start... Putting on lights whenever you wanted to. Well, that's well. No, no, I don't want that. As a as a as a amateur astronomer, I don't want lots of lights on. Create matter out of raw firmament. Recreating f- yes. raw firmament out of power. Yes. What? Yeah, that'd be good. Hey, one more thing. <laughs> like we've got. Jeez, it's too hot in this room. It's very We're hot getting in this all room. giddy. Yes. This is something stupid on the internet. Everyone started mourning the death of Neil Armstrong a couple of days ago. Yeah, he's been dead for a year. He's been dead for a year, mm. and someone went, "It's been a year," and someone went, "Oh my God, Neil Armstrong's dead." So Neil Armstrong, it's, it's the first case of someone having a death hoax post mortem. Yeah. 
what I do want to get out of this with the Neil Armstrong, people not realizing Neil Armstrong died a year ago, and, and this is the first anniversary of his death, is the, the moon is actually moving away from us due to orbital mechanics and, and the conservation of momentum. It's actually now, since Neil Armstrong died, the moon is now 3.78 centimeters further away from the Earth. Holy crap. There you go. It's actually moving away. And it's kind of like the whole thing when, 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 like when a, a, um, a ballerina or, or an ice skater pulls their hands in and puts their arms out. Like the further you go in, the faster it goes. And yeah. The, the slower it goes. It's, it's angular momentum based. Why I want you to remember that is every time, every time you hear about Neil Armstrong's anniversary of his death, remember... Well, the moon is now 3.78 centimeters further away from the Earth. How can we? How can we stop that? <laughs> like, why do we, we want to stop that? No, no, no. Because we'll because we'll stop having eclipses. We will. We stop having eclipses in in a couple hundred thousand years. Yes, it will happen. Yeah. Or, so, or, if we wanted to, fifty thousand to hundred thousand. If years. we wanted to stop that, could we? Add mass to it, or do we take mass away from it? It's got to do with the way they're locking together. Because, you know, the, the one side of the moon always faces us. It's tidally locked to us. We're not tidally locked to it. Ah, uh, so, so it's, what it's we could slowing do... down. It's slowing we're, down. We're, we're locking in position to uh, each other. We're going to... Yep. Could, could we, like, turn the oceans into jelly? Would that help? I don't think it would help. It would be fun. Um, uh, I want to know. If you, if, if you know a little bit about orbital mechanics, or think you do... Uh, tell us how you'd stop the moon from getting further away from us, because I want to know that. <laughs> and with Your that- budget is zero. <laughs> <laughs> Hope. That's all you've got. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Greg at smartenough.org. And Dan at smartenough.org. And you should race, race, race to iTunes, or the Android version, and race us on iTunes. Once again, every rating helps, ladies and gentlemen. There have been a couple of new ones recently, very nice ratings. You can also talk about us on Twitter and say what you like and what you don't like. We love hearing from our Twitter people. Yeah, some people have been saying such nice stuff they recently. Really have, and not just friends of ours. Someone re- listened to the entire bank of it. It's like 2.6... What was it? We, we, uh, 60, it was like 70 60 hours, hours yes. of us rambling on about science and going, yeah, I'm still into this. And they and they said they'd learned a lot, mainly about comedy and ignorance, which is fair enough. And, and other people said that they've been... Basically, lots of people have been promoting us. Feel free to talk about us on Twitter. What do they look for on Twitter, Dan? SE2KB. With the at at the front. At SE2KB. Well, you don't have to put the at at the front if you go Twitter slash SE2KB. Oh, I see what you're saying. It works itself out. Oh, it's pretty clever. That's pretty good. And Facebook as well, of course. SE2KB. Or the website itself, which is just smartenough.org. Yep. That's pretty cool. And jump into the forums. Yeah. And... A bit of fun. That's about it. That's, that's about it. That's that's your that's your fill of smart enough to know better for the fortnight. I'm going outside to get some chadular energy, uh, and I am going to put on some chadburn cream. I said, oh, why why are you being insistent? So when we were working with Tim Cox, it was it was just. Get down, Beeston. That guy sounds like someone I trust. He sounds friendly. He does sound friendly. Very Australian. He's not very Australian there. Is that what you normally sound like? Um, G'day, I'm down beasting. Everyone says hi or yeah. hello. Yes. It's this person. And I'm like, well, they're going to notice that I've got an Australian accent. Yeah. So I'll start with g'day. But I think that that's clicking a yeah. thing in my head. So I was like, g'day. Yeah. You want to learn how to use an Apple Macintosh? <laughs> it's fucking A. <laughs> Welcome to... Duck penis! Welcome to episode 52 of the podcast. Which has a name. Uh, welcome to episode 52 of Smart Enough to Know Better, a podcast of science, comedy, and, and duck penises. And ignorance. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're in a mood today. I'm in a mood. Oh, I'm so glad. 